What is up, guys? Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Reif, and this podcast covers lifestyle, manifestation, travel, and entrepreneurship. Lately, it's been leaning a lot into entrepreneurship and manifestation because I recently announced that I am leaning into manifestation and mindset coaching. Now, this idea came from a meditation session where I was having a full-on self-care day after burning myself out for 60 plus hours a week for three weeks where I was like, Chelsea, just sit down and recharge, let yourself be creative, listen to your inner voice, like take a freaking moment to just like relax. So I spent the whole day doing yoga, journaling, visualizing, breathing, meditating. And it's like something unlocked in my brain that literally felt like I was entering a new dimension. I've never felt that way before. And you always hear about these stories when people meditate. And it's taken me about four years to actually get to that point where I was like, wow, I understand now why people meditate and make it such a priority because I was quieting my mind to let my inner voice speak. You never quiet your mind. We are always waking up, running around, getting out of bed, eating, working out, watching TV. We never actually sit down and just be alone with our thoughts. And because I allowed myself to be alone with my thoughts and really let myself go to my wildest dreams, this whole mindset and manifestation thing popped up. And I was like, what? It just felt so natural. I actually got really excited. Like I felt chills in my body. And it's like, I think I almost tasted what my future would be like. And that's why I got so excited. And that's when I realized this is what people mean when they talk about finding your purpose and finding your passion. This is what people mean when, they talk, when they're talking about having alive ideas. When you just feel it in your body and there's this vision and it's like, all right, well, I have this vision now and it's not going away. And now I will do anything in my power to make it happen. That's pretty much what happened with this whole download that I had while meditating. And it started coming to me in the last, I would say, four weeks where I was starting to teach yoga and meditation online and people were saying, you know, you've been a really great yoga teacher. I like your energy. You make it really relatable and accessible. Like I'm not intimidated by it. I really like the way you lead meditation sessions. It makes sense. I got emotional and I was like, I don't know why I've never looked at myself as really leading in the world of uh, wellness or mental mental well-being or anything like that. It just, it's never come to me because I never surrounded myself with people like that, right? If you grew up in an environment where everyone has nine to fives, everyone works in corporate America, you work till you're 65, then you retire and you maybe switch jobs two or three times throughout your career. Yeah, it's really hard to imagine yourself being a mindset coach or manifestation coach if you've never heard of anyone having that job. But because of the the world I've been in in the last four years of really looking inward, and by the way, this work is not easy. It's really hard. It's tough. When you when you set aside time to look at your own thoughts, you realize how negative some of them are and how bad you actually treat yourself. But that's the point of working on it to get better. And throughout being in this world of you know self development and personally working on my mental health. I started running across manifestation experts and mindset coaches and people in the spiritual world that were helping other people. And it just never dawned on me that that could be me too. 
I don't know why. It's just like, well, that's not what you've done, Chelsea. You were in corporate America. You did ad sales for six years. Then you came to Sydney. You had a bunch of random ass jobs just to be able to pay the bills and travel. And then lately, because of the COVID-19, I've been teaching yoga and meditation online. And I also have my podcast, but I've never actually monetized my podcast. So in my mind, I kind of box myself into, oh, you either have to be a podcaster and a yoga instructor or you have to teach only yoga and meditation, or you can only do this and that thing. And then I realized, first of all, I can do whatever I want. If I want 11 different jobs, I can have 11 different jobs if I can balance them. And I remember specifically telling my mom this before I moved to Australia, because everyone's like, well, what are you going to do over there? Which I totally get, right? Like I just worked six years in corporate America. So the natural question would be, okay, so what corporate job are you getting in Australia? And I was like, I'm not working in corporate America. I mean, I'm not working in corporate Australia. That's not the goal. And I wanted to wear a bunch of different hats. And I remember this specifically because... I had just gone to an Airbnb experience with a friend that was my going away gift. And the girl did this tarot card reading and sound bath that was so beautiful, so emotional. I just felt like, wow, that was a really nice way to leave America. And I remember thinking, how does she make money? Like, is this how she makes money? And I asked her, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Do you do this full time? And she's like, well, I do this. And then I do one-on-one spiritual healings. And then I sell jewelry. And then I take care of cats. And then I do this type of thing with my boyfriend. We have this other business. And I was like, whoa, this girl has like six different jobs. And then that's when it kind of sprung on me. Like, you're allowed to have as many jobs as you want. So I told my mom, mom, when I move abroad, I want to have like 11 different jobs. I wish, I actually want to go f- back and see if I can find that text because I want to upload it so you guys can see that was the intention when I came here, but it didn't hit me until I was meditating and let myself actually get to that space and have the space that I have now where I am not being distracted by going out and alcohol and boys and dating and socializing because I can't, right? Like I, I, I cannot physically go do any of that because of COVID-19. So if you looked at my most recent Instagram post, I talked about this, like this is a space I needed to look inward and create. And this is when it dawned on me like, okay, I can be a mindset manifestation coach and I can teach yoga and I can teach meditation and I can do brand consulting and I can be a podcast host and a podcast strategist and this and that. Like I can do whatever I want as long as I can manage it. And right now I'm managing it. So why not keep doing it? That's something I want to make very clear is if something is, comes natural to you, why not do it? That's called your zone of genius. So today I really want to talk about the lessons that I'm learning as it comes to entrepreneurship because I feel like I'm just in the early stages of getting all this up and running. And eventually I want to look back on this and it's almost going to be like an audio diary. And I want to look back and be like, oh my God, remember in May 2020, that specific podcast you did and look where you are now. Because I feel like you can't understand all the entrepreneurship quotes and inspirational things until you actually do it and live it, right? Like, for example, there's a quote that's like, start before you're ready. And I heard that so many times and I was like, okay, we get it. Like, start before you're ready, blah, blah, blah. But now that I have been forced to start before I'm ready, it's like, oh, I get it now. It's clicking. This is what they mean. This is the feeling they were talking about. This is exactly what now I embody it. Now I am starting before I'm ready because I actually did it. Now I understand the quote. So today I want to talk about the lessons I'm learning around investing in yourself, working in your zone of genius, starting before you're ready, blocking out noise and surrounding yourself with like-minded people. 
So that's what today's podcast is really going to dive into. So the first and biggest thing that I can not recommend enough is investing in yourself. Now, what does investing in yourself mean? This is not just self-care, okay? I'm not talking about, oh, take five minutes for meditation and journaling. That's absolutely something I would recommend. And that's a way to invest in your self-care because I just told you guys, I basically burned myself out after working 60 plus hours a week where I was basically showing up to my online yoga classes with like bloodshot eyes and dark circles and like so out of it. And I'm like, okay, obviously no one wants a burnt out yoga teacher. So I need to really reinvest in my self-care. Absolutely important. The second thing I'm talking about is investing in yourself by investing in other people that are steps ahead of you. And notice I said steps. I didn't say light years ahead of you. You don't need to invest in someone that's 75 years old that has a, you know, literally 50 years of experience on you. Invest in someone that's two steps ahead of you. Because to me, those people just went through it so they know exactly the struggles you're talking about. And I'm specifically talking about business coaches, courses, books, mentors, webinars, online um, certifications, anything like that. Because when you invest in yourself, it's like you're making this declaration in the universe. Like, look, I am ready to change and I know I cannot do it on my own. And I do need someone to show me the way. And not only that, but usually you don't have everything figured out. And why waste time, money, and energy in trying to figure something out if someone has already either laid it out for you in a roadmap via way of a course or a book or anything like that or can just show you the step-by-step process that they did live on a call you know it's like it's so silly to think about sometimes that it takes us so long to invest in yourself and that's what I want to talk about is making the bigger financial investments because some of these things are not cheap right I mean actually I would say most of the things I've invested in this year are not cheap so let's start back in I want to say even last year, investing in my podcast, okay? This was before I had any idea of mindset and manifestation coaching, way before I was helping people with their podcasts and branding. This was me just making a declaration, like, I actually really want to take this podcast more seriously, and I want to elevate its look, its feel. I want it to feel like my real baby that I'm actually excited to show up and nurture and and just really put my heart into it. So... I was like, well, I need better branding. I need a website. I need people to help me. And I hired, I want to say, four different people to help me with that. The first was Brittany from Branding Boss Mom. Shout out to her. If you guys want to want like brand clarity, she is amazing at that because in my mind, my podcast was like, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's just going to talk about whatever. It's just going to be focused on girls, da, da, da. And I'm like, Talking to her, she was like, no, 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 we need to narrow this down. You need to be clear on who you serve, who you believe in, what are your values, why are you doing this podcast, what is it actually going to to do in terms of impacting or inspiring. We just got really clear on what my messaging was. So I invested in her. From there, once we figured that out, I had to invest in someone to create this vision in a branding format. So I had to get a graphic designer to help with my logo and branding. So I hired her and her name is Brooke. Shout out to Brooke Gorin. She did my podcast branding and logo. So then I hired her. 100,000% times better than the logo and branding I made on Canva for free, right? When you invest in people that are better than you, and that's not a slight at you. Like I actually went to school for digital media and storytelling. I have a pretty good eye for design, but I do not have the skill set to bring those designs to life. I can 
I can craft the idea in my head, but I can't make it because that's not my skill set. So I outsourced that and I invested in people that were better than me at it. So again, going back to your zone of genius, graphic design was not necessarily in my zone of genius. So let me outsource that to someone who actually it is their zone of genius. So then after that was all said and done, I needed to create a website, but in order to have a website, I needed photos and I didn't have any photos. So I invested in a photographer. I had to have a photographer do a full day shoot where we went all over the city I was living in and shot different photos. So we shoot different photos all over the city. And the funny thing is at this moment, I didn't really know how much I wanted to use the photos because I started having this weird imposter syndrome block pop up, which basically means I felt like I was being a fraud because we were shooting at someone's house that was really gorgeous. And then we went to a cafe and took really fun photos of me being on my laptop. And I just remember feeling like, oh my gosh, I feel fake. I feel like this is going to feel so inauthentic and people are going to know that I'm not a real podcaster, which is like just so silly. If you have a podcaster, you're a podcaster. And I just could not wrap my head around posting these photos. So funny enough, a lot of the pictures you see now on my social media and non-expert opinion pod are from a, a photo shoot from last year that I just got comfortable posting this year. And I invested in that, I, I want to say like last May. So that's how long it took me to get over that block of like, okay, yeah, in order to have a professional podcast brand, you probably should take some professional photos. And then of course, the the real and raw behind the scenes comes with other things. It comes with this podcast, with Instagram stories, with going live, right? Like it is nice to have professional photos when you're investing in someone or looking up their website. It just makes sense. So invested in a photo a photographer and then eventually I got a website and I had to invest in website designers. And then from there, I realized if I ever want to pitch a brand or a company to be on their network, I would need a media kit. So then I invested in a media kit. So these are already five different things that I invested in just for my podcast. But after that, it felt so real because I had put money into it. It was almost like, you've come this far. Why stop now? You know what I mean? If I add up all the expenses of that, I want to say I probably spent close to... on the podcast, branding, the photography, the logo, the website, everything. So it's actually not that expensive because now what I'm learning about, because I'm working on my third branding project right now, is that's actually pretty good for all the stuff I was getting. I was working with pretty cheap designers. I got a really good deal with um, with my branding consultant, really good deal with someone else. And that's just something you have, you kind of have to learn as you go. In my mind, I thought I was spending my life savings. I was like, what on earth? $3,000? Like, holy shit, this is the biggest investment I'm going to make in my life. And now looking back, I'm like, wow, you got a fucking deal for $3,000 for all that stuff. So just a side note, but (laughs) those are the things I invested in for my podcast. And you know what's funny is as soon as I invested in that and made it a declaration of the universe, like, yes, I am going to take this more seriously. I want to work on it. These people started following me out of nowhere that I am I'm not, I don't follow them. They've never been on my podcast. I've never reached out to have them on my podcast. And these are people that own big brands that are influencers that run their own companies that have major podcasts. And I was like, I don't think this is a coincidence. I think this was the universe saying, because you up-leveled your branding and started taking it seriously, we're going to put you in the sphere of people that you could also connect with that can take your vision seriously as well. And I remember 
remember texting my graphic designer being like, oh my God, this person just followed me. And then the next day it was like, holy shit, this person just followed me. And then funny enough, later that summer, I got linked up with all these amazing people because of the network I built and the podcast branding and everything that had come to life. It was starting to feel more real. And because it felt more real, I had the confidence to reach out to bigger guests. So last year, when you saw like Tori Deal from MTV's The Challenge and Sivan Ayla and Paul Fishman and all these people that were on my podcast, that was right around the time that I had just wrapped up branding and really started to take it seriously. So it's no wonder that, again, I up-leveled my branding and my image and vision for what I wanted the podcast to be and my quality of guests up-leveled and the conversations I have were up-leveling. And then I felt more inclined to write better questions and do better interviews. And ever since then, it's become so easy for me to show up to this every week because now it's like it's like buying a home. If you buy a home and you decorate it, it's not like you're all of a sudden going to leave for 12 months and not be in your home. It's like you decorated it, you put your time into it, your blood, sweat, and tears. You want to stay and enjoy your home, right? That's exactly what it was for my podcast. So I invested in myself. Now, as soon as the podcast started taking off, I realized there were other things I wanted help with that were more business strategy focused. So yes, I could have the best branding in the world and I could have the best website in the world, but if I don't know how to actually, you know, create emails or reach out to people about brand sponsorships or what to write, whatever the case is, I didn't really know how to do that in a formal way or professional way. And I didn't really want to waste time figuring out myself. So I hired business coaches. This is something that recently has become a huge investment that I'm making in myself that I want to spend a few minutes talking about. So there are a million types of coaches, okay? There are life coaches, there's mindset coaches, manifestation coaches, business mentors. Um, There's so many different types of coaches and they all specialize in helping you with whatever it is that you're looking for. So if you're looking for a coach to help you, I'm making this up, you're a health coach and you want to learn how to book five clients with your health and nutrition offering, there are people that exist out there that can exactly help you with that and you pay them and they will mentor you to get everything up and running, find out what your vision is and really get it off the ground. I didn't know about this world of coaching until literally last year, which is funny because now I want to be a coach. And once you start, again, putting yourself in the sphere of people that do it, then you just start finding more of them. So of course, once I find one coach and I invest in them, then a million others pop up. Now everyone on my timeline is coaches. Now I'm in a billion coaching groups. It's just the law of attraction, right? That's what happens. Once you find one thing and you keep looking for it, it keeps coming to you. So I invested in both spiritual coaches and business coaches. And what is the difference between the two? A spiritual coach to me was someone that was helping me look inward and unblock the limiting beliefs that I had. So on these types of calls, we're not sitting there being like, all right, let's open up your social media analytics, see what's going on. Let's, let's pull a report and analyze it. No, no, no. This is someone being like, why don't you think you deserve to make money? What is your fear of rejection? Where does that belief come from? Why are you so scared of criticism? Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so that was a spiritual coach. And to me, that was just as important as a business coach because I can you know, start pricing things however I want, but if I don't believe I deserve that money and I don't believe that I am capable of it, then it's not gonna come, right? You're not gonna buy something from someone that doesn't even believe in themselves. So I really had to get clear on my inner blocks And because of that, yes, I can read books, I can listen to podcasts, and I do that all the time. 
But I really wanted one-on-one guidance, and so I invested in those spiritual coaches. And one of the big ones I did last year was Sophie Nick, who was on my podcast. So she really helped me unblock very specific things around money and love that I didn't even realize. A lot of times we don't even realize what we believe because going back to what I said earlier, we never take time to look at it, right? Like in my mind, I'm like, of course I want $20,000 a month. But if if I were to open up my Chase bank account tomorrow and I saw $20,000 in there, I would actually be freaked out for a second. I would be like, wait, 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 where did the money come from? And even if it said, oh, someone paid you $20,000 for podcast services, I would still be like, oh, wow, I don't know if this person like meant to do that. Is this a typo? Was this a mistake? Like, I don't deserve that money. And that's stuff that I have to actively work on every single day. And I'm not joking. Like, I journal about it or think about it or listen to a podcast about it in some type of way every single day. Okay. And that's something that I had to work on with the spiritual coaches that I was investing in was what are these money blocks? Like, why don't I believe I deserve that when I know people that make that amount of money? It's possible, right? We've seen people do it or else millionaires wouldn't exist. We wouldn't know girls in our circle that were really successful. We wouldn't hear about all these entrepreneurs that made it if we didn't, if that didn't exist and they do exist. So why couldn't that be me? So that was really important that I invested in a spiritual coach to help me with that. Then I also invest, invested in business coaches to get really specific. So if I were to reach out to a brand for a sponsorship, what could I say about my analytics? Or if I was reaching out to a company to do an affiliate marketing partnership, what would I have to pitch? And then if I want to do a, run a workshop for a corporation, how should I pitch it? How should I price it? How should I model it? Like those are the things I needed help with. And here's the thing. A lot of times the answers are inside us. It's not like a lot of this stuff was like, whoa, never heard of outreaching to a company before and setting up a workshop. Like, of course I've heard of that. It was having someone that has already done it before me, give me the steps and the roadmap of what to do. I like to use analogies. You guys know that. I like to make everything an example or an analogy. But to me, it's like you're going to go on a road trip across the United States and you can either wing it and get super lost and be like, I have no idea where we ended up. We're in the middle of nowhere right now. And this sucks because I really wanted to make this road trip fun. Or you could ask a girl that had just done the road trip with beautiful photos and pictures and videos that could be like, wait, can you just give me your map? It looks like you just did the best road trip. Can you give me recommendations? And she would be like, sure, here you go. Here's our route. I actually made a PDF of it. And here you go. Here's exactly how you do it. That's how I think of business coaches is like, why would I waste my time driving around mindlessly until I could maybe find something cool when I could just ask a coach in 60 to 90 minutes, hey, how do I do this? Can you point me in the right direction and even give me step by steps and hold me accountable? That's the biggest thing to get this done. So that's where business coaches became important. And backtracking for a second, a lot of these people I found on social media. So I'm looking back. Yeah. The brand consultant I worked with, I posted on Facebook or Instagram stories and someone recommended her. We chatted. It worked out. Another girl was from a Facebook group. My web designers were from a podcast guest's roommates. Um, What else? 
oh, my other web designer was from a Facebook group. So yeah, just something to think about Facebook groups and Instagram. You can find so many amazing people. The spiritual coach I worked with, Sophie, from Instagram. The business coach I worked with, Morgan, from Facebook. So yeah, it's. I don't want you guys to think that I was like actively searching on Google to find these people. It was like it kind of just popped up in my feed and I kept watching their stories or what they were doing or just talked to them. And then it was like, yeah, you know what? Let's make the investment and move forward. So business coaches can help you with that roadmap and getting you to where you want to be. So my, one of my first coaches for 90 minutes, we got so specific. We were not wasting time like, so what do you want to do? What are you thinking about? It was like, oh, you want to do a corporate yoga workshop? Okay, here's the exact steps. I want you literally right now on the phone to pull up your LinkedIn, search in titles of people that run wellness programs. We're going to craft the email right now on the phone call. I'm going to edit it for you, and then you're going to send it off. And I was like, oh, okay, we're moving quick. That's the point of a business coach. They're holding you accountable, and they're making you do the work. They're not saying, all right, let me know how it goes in a few weeks, and we'll circle back and see how it goes. Like, I mean, maybe there are coaches like that, but if I were you, I would invest in someone and ask them up front. I need you to tell me that you can help me with accountability because it's the same thing as hiring a personal trainer, right? We can say we're going to the gym all we want, but until we're paying and someone is telling you, okay, I'm waiting here to see if you're going to do the work and get the results, then you show up differently. So that's the, um, lesson I would say with investing in any type of business coaches, make sure they are holding you accountable and ask for testimonials. A lot of people are pitching themselves. Again, everyone's a coach now. I know I'm like entering that world now where you can be whatever you want to be. And I love that, right? I love that we can all be what we want to be, but I also want to know that the person that's pitching me has results to show me. So if I am going to work with a spiritual coach, I probably have at some point stalked all their Instagram stories or people that comment on their stuff to see what results they had. I asked the coach directly, hey, can you send me testimonials? And I want to see what results the people they have worked with have gotten. Because to me, I don't really care if you got certified for 55 years and have a degree and have coached Oprah. I need to hear Oprah's testimonial, right? I want to hear how you change their lives. So if you're investing in someone, make sure you have testimonials and that they're holding you accountable. The other thing I invested in was, weirdly enough, going back to whatever you can be, was a coach who helped yoga teachers become financially abundant. Okay, that was her niche. I had never heard of that. I randomly sprang across it when I was on Facebook one day because after I got my yoga certification, the natural next step was to try and go work in a studio. Well, I lived in Bondi Beach in Sydney, which is one of the most competitive places to try and get a yoga job because... As you can imagine, everyone in Bondi Beach is doing yoga, and so they have some of the best instructors in the world teaching out those studios. And here I am coming off of my one-month training trying to go to Bondi Beach where these people have had years and years of experience. So I started looking at ways I could make money with yoga that weren't in a studio, and I came across this girl, Emily, who had a whole entire program dedicated to yoga teachers finding private clients. And I always heard private clients are the way to go with yoga if you want to make money. I kept hearing that even my yoga training. They said, if you really want to make money, you need to look at private clients because it's like paying a personal trainer. You go to their home, hold them accountable. Same exact thing I'm talking about with a coach, but working with a private client. 
So I was in her Facebook group and I eventually signed up for her program. It was a course that taught you step-by-step how to land private clients. So it goes back to what I started, like investing in someone that laid out the roadmap for you, who has done it and has specific results. All these people in her program were like, just booked a new client that bought, you know, $1,000 worth of classes. Thank God just sold another five pack worth $5,000. And I'm like, whoa, okay, I need to be investing in this. So I invested in that course and I immediately made the money back. And that's something I want to be clear on too. Every time you usually invest in something, if you're willing to do the work and show up, you will make that money back. So I invested in that. And then what else did I invest in this year? Oh, I got it. When I did my yoga branding, I invested in a new designer in Australia who helped me with my yoga branding. Her name's Samantha. Shout out to Million Co Design. She did my yoga branding and she also did my website. So this year alone in just between like the yoga courses, the branding, the spiritual and business coaches, that was probably another, I want to say four to $5,000. And I want to be clear about something, you guys, I did not come here with a lot of money. I came here with, I want to say like $6,000 and it transferred to Australian dollars to about $9,000. And when I got here, I was blowing money on drinks. Okay. Drinking, going out, rent. I did not save aside $6,000 to invest in myself. I ended up trying to scramble money together for what I could. I put things on credit cards. I, if I had any money left over from the week from not, you know, socializing and blowing my money on drinks, it would go to something that I could invest in myself with. So this year I, I spent that amount of money, but it's not like I had that cash laying around. So I, I did put it on my credit card because to me, I was like, I can pay this off because I know I'll do the work and it'll eventually pay off. However, if you're someone that knows you're not going to do the work and you start getting blocked by your own doubts and insecurities and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to invest in this, but I don't really want to do the work. I just want to see what it's all about. Then it would not be smart to make that investment, right? And I've done that before too. This is why I want to talk about it on the podcast. Actually, that first coach that I invested in for the yoga training, I started to slowly realize I don't really know if I can have private yoga clients because I'm in Sydney and then I'm going to move around and then I'm going to bop around the United States and then maybe Europe. Like, How can I build a private client base if I'm not even going to be somewhere? And so I didn't really watch the course modules. I think I watched two of them and there were eight. And looking back, I'm like, wow, you spent all that money. And basically watched two videos. The funny thing is I ended up making the money back during COVID-19 teaching online yoga from a training that she did in that course. So the money, the investment paid off eventually. But the point was that I invested in it really quickly, just being pretty impulsive about it. And then when I, when push came to shove and it was like, all right, time to go do the work and enlist all the tools you just used, I wasn't ready. And so that investment, if I had not eventually done the work, wouldn't have paid off. So you need to make sure when you're investing in people that they're holding you accountable, supporting you, and going to make sure that you are doing the work and that you're personally ready as well. So yeah, a lot of this stuff I put on credit cards and any money left over from Christmas, birthdays, whatever, I would invest right back into investing in myself. The other thing I've recently invested in or that I'm about to invest in is... um, books and mentors. So a lot of times I listen to audiobooks and those aren't free. You know what I mean? I have to, I have to invest in books, mentors that can help me out, like one-on-one specific coaches, courses, eBooks, anything like that. Okay. Those are other investments you can make in yourself. And then again, self-care. 
Like if you need to go to a therapist, if you need to go to a Reiki healer, if you need to talk to a medium, if you need to get a massage, whatever it is, as long as you're investing in yourself, it will pay off, whether that's you showing up mentally more positive or in your branding or in your energy, whatever it is, it will pay off, but not if you don't believe it. That's my biggest tip is like, it will not pay off if you don't believe it. So you do have to invest in yourself and take the steps to get there. The other thing I want to talk about with entrepreneurship is starting before you're ready. Now, I just said that in the beginning of the podcast, start before you're ready made no sense to me because I was like, okay, it just sounds like another motivational quote that is supposed to fire me up, but it doesn't. It actually did not hit me until I started teaching yoga online about six weeks ago. So when my back was against the wall with COVID, to give you some backstory, I'm in Australia. I'm being an au pair for accommodation, so I'm not paying for rent. And there's another girl here doing the same thing. So we only have to do it for like 15, 20 hours a week. So all the other time at home, I have nothing else to do. So something clicked in me where I was like, okay, everything you wanted to do with all the investments you made, this is the time to start doing the work because you literally have nothing else to do. And my back was against the wall. Like I'm breaking even by not paying for accommodation, but I'm also not making money. And I was like, I need to make money. And I started throwing out the idea of teaching yoga online. So I looked into how I could teach yoga online and my private yoga coach had done a whole training on this and it became super clear that it actually wasn't that hard. However, I had to start before I was ready. I immediately just started blowing people up being like, hey, I'm going to teach yoga on Wednesday night. Here's a Zoom link. I would love for you to come. I'm just charging $15 and we'll see how it goes. And $15 was just a random number I picked because I figured you know, in my mind, I was like, I'm only going to do this once or twice. So whatever, $15, let's call it a day. I ended up finding so much success from it that people were like, Hey, I actually really like this. It's fun to connect with people online and around the world. I like your energy as a teacher and it's fun to feel like you're in a studio with other people, even though you're not, it's just a great way to build community. And I was like, what? That was not the response I was expecting. And It's not that I was expecting anything to go terribly bad. I just didn't expect people to want to keep coming. And this is something that I'll do a whole other episode on is expecting and acting as if versus not expecting it. But because of the validation I got early on, it made sense to keep doing it. So then I would do it for a second week and then people would be like, hey, I really love that. Are you going to do more of these? And I was like, I I guess that wasn't really the plan. It was kind of to do one or two classes just to have some money and see what, what happens. And then it slowly started to dawn on me, a lot of people don't like going to yoga studios because of the intimidation factor. They don't feel like they can do anything with their um, skills sets. They don't feel like they're yogi enough, right? So then they don't go to studios and then they never know what yoga is like. So the funny thing about Zoom yoga was that you could turn off your video, you could follow along, and you could do it in the comfort of your own home. The other thing was being on with people all over the world just felt really exciting. Like there are people from New Zealand, Australia, the United States on. So it felt like you're almost in this international online studio. And I had no idea that's how it would feel. It was, it was not until a friend told me like, wow, that was really cool to be on a call with so many people literally all over the world that it makes it fun to show up. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll keep doing this. 
and I was adjusting things every single week. Like after my first week, I seriously was like, oh my gosh, I need to invest in a software booking program. I need to get a, a finance, uh, like an accountant to help me keep track of this stuff, even though I literally had done two classes <laughs> and I was freaking myself out. Like, oh my gosh, I need all these waivers. I need people to, I need to get a camera. I need to get a ring light, a tripod. I need to get all this stuff. And I just had to go, go, go. And I was adjusting to what everyone was saying. And then each week I would ask people after they came, let me know what you thought of any feedback and I'll, I'll adjust it. And I hope to see you next week. And then someone would say, Hey, I, I would really like music. Oh, okay. So I made a playlist. Then the next week, someone would say, I really like the meditations at the end. Um, I I'm trying to get into meditation. It's just really hard. Oh, okay. So now I offer meditation classes. Then I would have other people saying 30 minutes was just way too short, but 60 minutes is way too long. Okay, well, now I can offer 45-minute classes. So the point of this is that I had to start before I was ready. Okay, I was not ready to teach yoga online. I didn't even teach yoga online in Sydney, and I was barely teaching. I was teaching a few times on the beach, and it just... I didn't have the experience that you would think for someone who was just like, all right, let's do online yoga. You would think that I had been teaching like five times a week in a studio and I hadn't. It was because my back was against the wall and I knew I needed to do something to use my skill set or make money or whatever I could. And this just felt like a natural way to connect with people. And then I was able to do it. So I was not ready to do that. I was not ready to teach meditation classes. I was not ready to lean into mindset and manifestation coaching, but I just had to start. The good thing about starting before you're ready is that you can adjust based on feedback. So this is something I learned from Lauren from The Skinny Confidential and her and Michael drill this into our heads. I think they just did a podcast about this, about starting before you're ready, which you can listen to that. It will really fire you up. But the whole point of adjusting and tweaking that's the part that matters, right? I could I could sit here for five years and try and plan the perfect online yoga studio. I could make my room a space that looked like a real studio. I could invest in a videographer. I could get lighting, tripods, a microphone. I could name it something. I could paint the walls. I could I could start building my client base up. And then I could launch it and then still hear that someone was like, oh, that was cool, but it just sucked because you didn't have music. So I could spend all that time doing that and I would never know what people wanted if I don't even have an audience to tell me what they want. So you can sit there in your mind and daydream all day, but until you get it out there and hear what your people need, it's very hard to to know what to do unless they tell you that. And every week I'm adjusting, by the way, I still don't have it figured it out. My booking system is not good. I basically have people emailing me right now. Everything is on a spreadsheet. Um, payments are collected in multiple different ways. It's not perfect at all. Like if I, if I was looking at this from an outsider perspective, I would tell myself she really needs to fix her booking system. She should have a very clear schedule somewhere on her site. Like these are all things that I know and I'm adjusting each week because now I can look back and see where the issues are. The point is I started before I was ready and now I can adjust because I have a clear idea of what actually needs to be adjusted. I wouldn't know to do any of this stuff if I didn't just start it. So you have to start before you're ready in order to know what to fix. Third thing I want to talk about is working in your zone of genius. This is a term that I heard this year when I was talking to my friend Marley, who I talk about all the time on this podcast. And we were sitting one day talking about podcasting and yoga and what she does. And she told me, I, 
I see that you like yoga, but it seems like podcasting is your zone of genius. And I was like, I don't know what that means. Like cool, cool phrase, whatever. And she was like, no, I'm serious. Like I did an interview with her and she was like, the way you were asking me questions and the way you drafted those questions and the way you knew how to guide the conversation, I wouldn't be able to do that. And in my mind, I'm like, yes, you would. It's just an interview. And then it dawned on me. That's exactly why people have certain careers or do certain things really quickly, right? We all know someone that can do something in 10 seconds and you're like, how can you do that so quick? It takes me hours. That's their zone of genius. And then I started to realize, wait, I think she's onto something here. Like she is right. It takes me like 20 minutes to draft up interview questions. And to me, I thought that was normal. And she's like, Chelsea, the questions you were asking would have taken me all week to draft up. And then when I was interviewing, she's like, I don't have that capability of like listening to the to the question and then adjusting the follow-up question from there. And I was like, well, I guess it makes sense because I have a broadcast journalism background and then I went to school for digital media and storytelling. So I guess it does make sense that that would come easier to me. And then audiograms, which are those little graphics where you put a wave over it and a social media template, that was something that came really easy to me. It was taking me like 30 minutes to make those. And she's like, I don't get it. Don't you have to listen to the whole clip and then decide, not the whole clip, the whole interview and then decide which clip to use and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, I know in the beginning of podcasts, they're usually just introductions and you really get to the meat of the podcast in the middle. So I usually just pick the middle to find the clip. And there's usually a nugget of information in there that you would find it and have a really good quote. And then you can pull that for the audiogram. And she's like, what? Like, I would have never guessed that. And that's when it started to dawn on me, yes, we have a zone of genius. It's stuff that comes so easy to you that you've heard people tell you, I can't believe you can do that that fast. Or I can't believe that comes so easy to you. And that's when it realized, That's when I realized my zone of genius are the skills that I need to be advertising and monetizing, right? Why would I spend 40 hours a week, I'm going to make this up, trying to learn uh, accounting and pitch myself as an accountant when that doesn't come easy to me at all and I was just doing it for the name and the money, that would take me a really long time to figure out how to do accounting. When I could do audiograms, write people up interview questions and help them with podcast strategy that takes me zero prep time, like I already know what I'm talking about and in terms of production or writing or anything would maybe take me 30 minutes to an hour. Like what? It just started to click together, right? My zone of genius are the skills that I should be monetizing because it does not take me long and it flows to me so easily that I don't need to stress about it. It's actually to the point now, and I'm not saying this to be like nonchalant about it, but if I have a podcast strategy call with someone, I'll do a little bit of research on them and see what their vibe is and what they want to talk about and what questions to ask. But I don't spend like three hours prepping for this call because I already know my zone of genius and I know I can help them before we even get on the call because I've been doing it for three years now. This goes back to my whole idea of investing in someone that's only two to three years ahead of you. I know exactly the struggles people are going through when they start a podcast, right? They don't know how to get it on iTunes. They don't know what platform to host on. They don't know what questions to ask. They don't know what equipment they need. I know because I had to go through that and I'm still going through that stuff. So that's the point. I'm not only investing in people ahead of you, but making sure that you're working your zone of genius. For me, that's so easy for me to talk about now because I've been doing it for so long. The other thing about your zone of genius is that it almost feels so easy that you feel guilty charging for it. And I remember talking to my friend about that. I was like, you know, audiograms take me 
I would say at maximum, and this is being like, if I'm moving really slow and being lazy, 30 minutes, but at minimum, like 10 to 20 minutes. And this is something that you have to design and then pull an audio clip and layer, layer it over and put captions on it. That does not take me that long at all. And I was like, I don't know how to charge for that. And she's like, you should charge an hourly rate. But I was like, but it doesn't take me an hour. And then I was just figuring, I was like, maybe I'll just do it, you know, for free as an add-on, or maybe I'll do 10 bucks, 15 bucks. And now because I've surrounded myself with people that are actually charging their value in the marketplace, she was like, no, no, no. You didn't make this an actual offering where people pay you to do this because it comes so easy to you. And I was like, this just feels weird to charge people for something that takes me 10 to 20 minutes. And then again, it's just this aha moment that that's like, that's exactly what you should be monetizing. Why would I, again, spend 12 hours a day learning accounting or financing to maybe make some money from an accounting client when I could spend three hours a day making six audiograms, making way more money, and then using the rest of my time to do whatever I wanted. That's when it started to click. Like I need to be activating my zone of genius. And I want you guys at home to practice what, or write down what your zone of genius is and start practicing it more. So start to think of those things that people tell you. Wow, you're so good at that. I cannot believe that comes so easy to to you. Why did that only take you 10 minutes? Wow, that was really fast. Those are things that are your zone of genius. Start writing them down and thinking of ideas of ways that you can offer that as like a side hustle or a little project or something. It doesn't even need to be monetized, but it's just to get in the habit of working your zone of genius so you can see how easily things come to you. Life does not need to be hard. You do not need to be grinding 60 hours a week. You need to be working in your zone of genius. The fourth tip I have around all the starting out with entrepreneurship is blocking out the noise. This is something I have had to actively and intentionally work on in the last six weeks because the more that you look into things, like I said before, the more they start becoming attracted to you. So the more that I was looking into mindset manifestation coaching, the more these people pop up. The more that I look into launching a podcast course, the more people that pop up that are launching podcast courses. I mean, this also has to do with Facebook's advertising system and retargeting where, of course, I'm going to see it if I'm Googling it. But at the same time, it's like if I ended up looking at someone on Instagram that was a manifestation coach, now five people pop up that she's worked with or is in her sphere of influence that now I'm following them. And here's the thing. It's good to follow those people to get inspiration and see how they're doing it and, you know, what's worked and what hasn't. But if you know that something is going to work out for you, like you have that inner vision that I was talking about that is so found like rock solid and foundationally sound. It's silly to follow all these people because it's just it's just going to start diluting your image. And that's what I found I was doing. So I had such a clear image. And every time I would follow one of these new coaches, it was like, wait, I have to do it that way. Okay, now look at this girl. Wait, her modeling was so different. Wait, hold on. And this girl charges a different way. Wait, this girl's course was 12 weeks and this girl's was four weeks. Maybe I should do four and 12 week courses. Like you just start analyzing every little bit of information and it becomes so overwhelming that you just want to stop. That's what was happening. I was like, okay, I'm overwhelmed and I don't even want to do this anymore. And I think I'm just going to, you know, find a quote unquote regular job and go back to what I was doing. And I realized that is so disrespectful to my inner being to have such a big vision and have that those body chills that I had early on in that meditation session to be that moved by a vision and then to just basically spit on it by saying, oh, I'm overwhelmed because I looked at too many people's content and I'm going to go back to something I don't want to do. It's like, 
I really feel like it's disrespectful to yourself. And um, what was I going to say? Oh, that's why I had to start muting and unfollowing everybody. So I went on a crazy unfollowing and muting spree, okay? And this was not uh, malicious at all. This was for my own mental being, especially as I'm building out this vision. It goes back to my whole water analogy that I've used a million times and I'm going to use it one more time. It's like having a clear glass of water and every single person that you follow or that is not doing what you want to do or is not supporting you or is doing what you want to do, but it's overwhelming you, that's a black droplet in that glass of water. And before you know it, your glass of water is completely black with ink because you let too many people get in your head. So I went on this crazy muting and unfollowing spree because I was like, I just don't want to see this. And it's really distracting too. This is also not even people that are in the sphere of influence, but just people I don't interact with anymore. I was feeling so guilty for unfollowing people from like high school that we partied in 10th grade and were maybe, I don't know, had PE class together, you know, like what the fuck? Why do I still follow them? Like we do not interact or someone that I went to college with to one party and we hung out and had, I don't know, physics class together. Who cares? Like, we do not interact. I do not need to know what your baby is eating. I don't need to know where you went on vacation. You don't need to know what I'm doing. Unless we are invested in each other's lives for a specific reason, why would I be following that person? Again, this was not easy. I am. I have such a guilty conscience. Like, I, I carry a lot of guilt. It's something I should definitely talk to a therapist about. And I felt so guilty doing this, but once I got in the habit of doing it, like I unfollowed five people one day and then the next time I unfollowed like 10 people and now Instagram has this new feature where if you follow someone specific, it will say you follow 20 other people like this. So then I would go and unfollow all them. And what I realized too is there's a ton of people I follow that were just from seasons of my life that no longer are relevant to me. So for example, all these like insane luxury travel influencers, I don't resonate with that at all right now, even though I, you know, I love to travel. I do not resonate with someone that is like doing such a posed photo shoot on a infinity pool that just landed on a helicopter jet with their Chanel bag, because that's not me. Okay. That's just not me. You could be listening right now and be like, that sounds like a dream. That's what I want to do. Great. You go follow those people. That's why people follow them. That's why I do not want to follow them because it was diluting the image I had for myself that had nothing to do with a helicopter landing on a jet pad on an infinity pool. Eventually, would I want that for my life? Yeah, of course. But while I'm building my vision right now, I do not want to be discouraged and compare myself to someone that's 10 steps ahead of me when I'm on step one. So again, who knows? Maybe I'll follow a luxury travel influencer in the near future, but I'm not going to do that right now while I'm building my vision. Go and follow and mute everybody that is not serving your vision. And I'm telling you, not only will it help you mentally, it will also down your screen time so you can get to work on what you really want to do. Now that I'm not stalking all these crazy ass influencers and scrolling and scrolling and swiping, it's like, yeah, I'm done on Instagram. I want to go do something. I want to go learn. I want to go on a walk. I want to just invest back in my own mental being because I don't need to see that influencer's baby's nap schedule, right? Like we don't need to see that. So go on and following and muting sprees, block out the noise and only follow people that are supporting you, that are in your field of vision, that, that can get it or that you genuinely do keep in touch with, okay? The last thing that I just talked about was surrounding yourself with like-minded people. Once again, this is a quote that I've heard so many times, right? You are the five people that you hang out with. Cool. 
sounded like a motivational quote on Pinterest, didn't apply to me. I have friends, I have family. How can I be the five people I hang out with when I have a hundred different networks of friends? I get it now. I get exactly what that quote means. Here's an example that is directly from my life from the last three months. When I moved to Cairns, which I was before I was in Broome, it was to get a second year visa. And I was living in a hostel because that was my only option at that point while I was job hunting and around a bunch of backpackers that were living very scrappily and cheaply as well. And I understood it, right? When you're in the backpacker world, you get it. Like everyone is just making money to blow it on traveling, which is kind of the thing that I was doing when I got here. It just never occurred to me that you can make money and also want to travel well and not stay in hostels and eat bread and toast and, you know, try and get free drinks every two seconds. Like, yes, that is that is an easy way to live. Like, not easy way to live. That's not what I mean. It's an easy way to save money. That's what I meant to say. It's an easy way to save money, of course. Yeah, if I can go to that specific bar and get a two-for-one deal and they have free pizza, well, there we go. I don't have to make dinner that night and I can drink that night. Or my hostel is having a karaoke contest and if you win, you get a free glass of cider. Okay, well, now that's a free glass of cider and I just have to enter a karaoke contest. That's the lifestyle that I was living. Like, that's the that's the people I was being around. And because of that, you just start to morph into that lifestyle. And that's what they mean by you are the people you hang out with. Because I was hanging out with people that were living on literally like 10 bucks a day, being like eating pasta and whatever they could that they could cook in bulk and saving all their money for trips. That's how my mentality was starting to form. Like, yep, any penny I make is going to go into a big trip. So in the day to day, I'm not going to spend money. I'm going to eat super shitty food that I can just buy in bulk. And I'm going to try and find as many free drinks as possible, blah, 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 blah. As soon as I left that world, when I came to Broome, which you can hear about in another podcast called Hostel Life and Coronavirus and Oz and why I'm over here, I ended up living in where I am now, which is a mansion. And again, I'll, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to do a whole post on this about visualizing and law of attraction and manifesting and everything. But I'm now living in a mansion with my own room. Um, there's a pool, there's two balconies right above, right by the beach. And the girl that lives in this house that actually owns it, her and her, her partner, she's my age. That was the biggest expander for me. And an expander is someone that's basically doing what you're doing, kind of going back to that two steps ahead of you, that it makes you realize, wow, this really could be my life. This girl is 29 and somehow lives in like a four to five bedroom mansion with two pools and a balcony on the beach. What am I doing eating bread and butter for breakfast and, you know, sleeping in bunk beds and and being so scrappy with my money? And it just up-leveled my mindset. Like, you can want money to, to have a good life and not be greedy. And this goes all into money beliefs and blocks and so many different things. But it wasn't until I was hanging out with people like her and other entrepreneurs that my mind started expanding. So going back to the mindset and manifestation coaching thing... I didn't think that was a thing until I started finding other people and then realizing how much money you could make. And this isn't about money at all. This is stuff I would do for free. Like I talk about this for free on my podcast 24 seven, but seeing that it was a viable career option that started to open my mind and say, Oh wow. Like you could hang out with these people. This could be your new circle. And then funny enough, 
law of attraction, my friend Marley is like, I have been wanting to do the same thing. Like I am obsessed with manifestation. I, I would love to teach people. She's been doing these amazing workshops. And now we text every single day about how we would run our business, what we would do. We're talking about leading uh, manifestation workshops in Bali. And it's like, that would not exist had I not intentionally picked who I wanted to surround myself with and the energy I wanted to put myself around. I remember meeting Marley being like, this is a girl that has the exact vision I want. She gets it. She has a manifestation mindset. She understands the law of attraction. We can talk about everything woo woo and spiritual and, and money and business. Why would I not keep her in my inner circle? And then because of her, now I'm introduced to other girls that are similar. And then you meet more people that are similar. And it goes back to the law of attraction. What you seek out and what you want to attract will come right back to you. So because of that, now I'm in a, basically I like to call it sphere of influence that is all entrepreneurial minded people that are making money, doing exactly what they want to do. Badass women that I do not think I would have found had I not intentionally started looking for them or blocking out the other people. So it's like in order to make space for that new group of people, I did have to let other, it's, it wasn't dramatic. I did have to let other people go, but I don't mean in a dramatic way, okay? I wasn't texting people being like, hey, I have a new vision for myself and we can't be friends, bye. It was just like things started fading away. There's just people I stopped keeping up with. There's people I stopped asking to hang out. There's people that I just intentionally was like, I will not invite them out because I don't want to be around that energy feel anymore. There's people I unfollowed because I was like, I don't care to see their stuff anymore because we're on just different wavelengths. And that's not mean. It's me entering a new space of life where it's serving my energy and it's not serving the other person. Why would it help that other person for me to follow them if I don't care to follow them or interact with them? you know? Okay. So what they have an extra follower. You want an extra follower that doesn't want to follow you. That doesn't even make sense. I would rather have everyone following me being actively engaged with my content. I would rather have 300 people following me where all 300 people are constantly interacting and we're all engaging and uh, communicating versus 50,000 people that 10 people comment on my stuff and and it's not even about commenting. It's about that connection, right? Why would I follow people and why would anyone follow me if we didn't have some type of connection? So surrounding yourself with like-minded people and surrounding yourself with like-minded content, okay? This is why I'm bringing it back to social media. If I'm following 25 million different people, that's just diluting the message for myself. So I intentionally follow now quote boards, inspirational accounts, manifestation coaches that I admire, okay, not people that don't resonate with me, um, girls that are entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial type people, people that are coaches, anything in that world now, that's who's in my feed and anyone that's not or that I don't resonate with because like I said, I can follow all those types of people but there's a lot of manifestation coaches I don't resonate with so I don't follow them. That has made the biggest difference in my mental mind, in my mental mindset, <laughs> in my mindset is seeing who I follow online and in real life and who I talk to every day, that has made me so much more confident in what I want to do. And you guys can probably even see that in my own energy because I notice it within myself and I feel like it is hard to notice within yourself when you're making progress sometimes. But I wasn't talking this excited before about something. I wasn't this energized about other things before. But now because I'm so intentional with where my energy is going and who I surround myself with and the content I consume, 
it's becoming more aligned with, with my bigger purpose. So it's only natural that I'm feeling more confident about it. So that's just why I wanted to talk about this today was these lessons of entrepreneurship and personal mindset growth tips that are really helping me step into my purpose. So we've covered investing in yourself and what you should invest in and what you should look for, working in your zone of genius, starting before you're ready, blocking out the noise and surrounding yourself with like-minded people. I hope this is helpful. Let me know and let me know if you want me to get specific with anything from that list. And I'm going to be doing a lot more solo podcasts because there are so many life lessons I'm learning right now. And yeah, buckle up because I would say the next probably month or two, there are going to be a lot of freaking solo episodes. So if you found value, please rate, review, and subscribe. You can go follow me at Chelsea Rife and Non-Expert Opinion Pod, two different separate Instagram accounts. You can go to inmynonexpertopinion.com and you can email the podcast hello at inmynonexpertopinion.com. With that, I will see you guys next week.